What's up, guys? Welcome to Canna Questions, the show for the Canna Curious, where we answer all of your burning cannabis questions. I'm your host, Alejandro. Super excited to be here for our very first episode. And just to make it even more special, we're going to be joined by my friend, Andrew Lussie. Andrew is the owner and one of the artists at 39 Degrees North Glass Gallery in Winter Park, Colorado. He's joining me today to discuss the art of glass blowing and, of course, cannabis. Stay tuned to the end of the show so you can find out how to win an exclusive glass piece from Andy. And without further ado, let's jump right into today's episode. All right, guys. So I'm here with Andy now. How do you say your last name, Andy? Is it Lussie? Lussie, right yep. on. All right. Co-owner of 39 Degrees North Glass Gallery in Winter Park. Um, Andy, you want to tell people um, anything that they should know about you? You know, going into this. Um, you know, I've been blowing glass for um for 20 years now, actually. Um, this nice. month, 20 years. Um, I torch working um was kind of just a hobby for me, and um, I basically was a furnace worker. Um, you know, a lot of people when you tell them furnace working, they're not too sure what you're talking about. So I usually tell people, you know, like the Italians with the big long pipes grabbing molten glass out of the furnace. Um, that's kind of what I did. I did a lot of sculpture interior design, um, lighting, um, for years and years and years I taught, but that's like, you know, a different type of glass blowing that we, we do here for making pipes for making pipes, we're torch working or lamp working. And so it's a little bit different. And I, you know, I always lamp worked as a hobby, you know, furnace working was my paycheck. But then when I moved to the mountains, furnace working, it was, the access was incredibly hard for, for our audience. What is furnace working? So furnace working, it's, you know, working out, it's working glass out of a furnace with already molten glass in the furnace. And it's, it's actually a different type of glass. Um, I get really nerdy and, and tell you a little bit about the coefficient of expansion of glass. And so every type of glass has a different coefficient of expansion. And so like borosilicate, which we make pipes out of, um, is all the torch work stuff. That's all we, we number it. So that's a, a coefficient of 33. Soft glass or furnace working is a coefficient of 96. So we can't blend those two types of glass. There are different applications to them. There's different techniques to actually making them. And it's just a completely different process. So when I was, you know, I was a furnace worker for 13 straight years. That's what I went to school for. I was a fine arts glass major and I was a furnace worker. And, wow. and then when I moved to the mountains, See, building a furnace working studio, you're, you're looking at a huge startup capital. I mean, it's massive. And so when I moved to the mountains, you know, the closest access I had to a furnace working studio was in Lakewood. And that's just not feasible every day in the winter to drive to work. You know, this is when you lived up here in, yeah. uh, in Grand County. Yeah, and yeah. when I lived up here in Grand County, so just getting down to a furnace studio is, you know, you're looking at four to five hours round trip every day. And in the winter, That's that kind of sucks. Man. Yeah, so wow. so instead of, you know, so I kind of flip-flopped, you know. So I used to lamp work for a hobby and furnace work for my paycheck. And now I furnace work for a hobby and lamp work for my paycheck, you know. And, like, honestly, I'm really glad I kind of, like, made the full-time switch because, like, I'm having so much fun mm. torch working and um there's so many it just it's limitless you know and like all glass is limitless but i'm having a blast making pipes right now so and it kind of sounds like um glass working 
is just as much of a science as it is an art. Absolutely. There's there's a lot going on in glass blowing. There's a lot going on with yeah, like I was talking about the coefficient of expansion of glass and the types of glass that we use and the way glass stresses the um, you know there's so many things to learn about glass and it's a very infinite subject and very infinite material so you can kind of keep learning for life wow man so kind of like going back to the beginning of all this when did you discover that you had a talent or a knack for creating this art I still haven't discovered that I have a knack (laughs) or talent for it Um, I discovered I loved it I enjoyed making it Mm. I'm very, very, very difficult on myself in a good way, not mm-hmm. in a bad way. Like I don't, you know, I don't shame myself or make myself feel crappy about anything. But I just, I know the sky's the limit, and like you know, I'm just kind of reach reaching the tops of the blades of the grass. So mm-hmm. there's a lot more room to grow and and a lot more room to reach. Um, so I mean, like you know, I just love, I just love it, and I guess I'm like one of those people that like if you give me a challenge and like and I'm not very good at it. Like I'll keep going until mm-hmm. I get good at it, or so you're until a perfectionist. I beat, yeah, right so on. that's why I probably <laughs> keep doing what I do. Mm-hmm. What was maybe your inspiration behind opening Thirty Nine Degrees? Again, so you know I'm like a real fly by the seat of my pants kind of guy. Mm-hmm. So um, yes, there's inspiration behind it. It all kind of fell into our lap. We needed. We had a private studio. We lost our private studio just due to you know, real estate stuff. Um, we found this place, we had extra space. And once we realized we have this extra space, we can do a retail. That's when the inspiration started kicking in. And that's when I started like looking at the shops that I've always like really looked up to. Like, um, I'm going to plug my homie, um, Derek at witch doctor. Um, he has one of the most beautiful shops and galleries mm-hmm. in the industry. Oh, um, is that? He's in Salem, Massachusetts. Okay. Um, and, um, when you walk into his his shop, it's it's like walking into a fine art gallery. I mean, wow, it's yeah. you know, and and for me to see like you know, because I when I started blowing glass, you know, pipes weed was very illegal everywhere. Mm. Pipes were very taboo, and in the glass world, this is what's really really tough because I always made pipes from the day I started blowing glass. But again, my I was going to school to be a glass artist and do a lot of sculpture stuff like that so you have these two different worlds you have the furnace working world and you have the lamp working world and then I'm talking I'm talking 20 years ago 15 20 years ago and furnace workers really kind of had a chip on their shoulder and looked down at pipe makers big time like you didn't like if you were a pipe maker they immediately thought you were just some like dirty wook hippie you know and that like you know you weren't a real glass blower uh-huh. you know and like and they were real glass blowers but you weren't so like because i lived in both worlds um i kept very quiet about the fact that i made pipes even though it was just my hobby and mm-hmm. again i was my profession and my paycheck was furnace working and sculpture mm-hmm. um but i kept quiet about mm-hmm. the fact that i made pipes were you selling um, the pipes too to yeah i would sell pipes you know yeah privately or? yeah the glass shops you know like because mm-hmm. back in the day you know you kind of like <laughs> you'd made as many pipes as you could and then you filled up a case and then you went and like kind of like cold call I guess like you know traveling salesman you just show up at shops and be like here check out my work you know Mm -hmm. and like and you you know bargain and you know haggle and you know you probably walk out of there not so happy but at least you made some money you know because that whole starving artist thing shit's real you know (laughs) so like you know 
you, you if, if I can make money selling some pipes, yeah, I'm gonna jump on the torch and make some pipes. And that's like back in the day. That's how it was. And Just, also like like back in the day too, and it is still this way uh, in some states where you walk into a head shop and you say, Hey, can I buy a bong? Yeah. They're gonna kick out. They're like, Oh, we only Gone. sell, you know, yeah. tobacco you exactly. know, products here. You know, no one smokes tobacco out of a bong. No, exactly you know? nobody. Nobody yeah. loads up a bong at, you know, with a fat rip of tobacco, mm-hmm. you know. I mean like that's but that were, terrible. Were there ever any laws that like you kinda had to skirt around then? So know? we didn't really have to skirt around any laws and then Operation Pipe Dreams thing happened. And that was like, I believe, John Ashcroft Mm -hmm. and the Bush administration decided to crack down on glass pipes. They put Tommy Chong and they put Tommy Chong in jail. Tommy Chong was literally in jail for quite a while because of this. And if you watch the movie Degenerate Art, it was on Netflix for a long time. I don't think it's on Netflix anymore, but um, if you can find search Degenerate Art, um, it's all about you know a lot of the history of pipe making and they touch base on the operation pipe dreams and so we got everybody got really paranoid and like honestly that's like when i really was like you know what maybe i'm gonna put pipes on hold for a little while because it wasn't like i was really trying to be a professional artist and make money that way so when this operation pipe dreams happened i was like everybody was even scared to order materials like we were scared to order tubing and color because we're like well are they keeping track of us mm-hmm. and then like we were scared to like work with sh- keep any kind of a paper trail with shops that we worked with because shops were getting cracked down for selling glass pipes and so we got super scared and I was just like man I'm just gonna maybe like fully focus on furnace working and put that off to the side and, and I kind of did and you know became a professional furnace worker and you know did mm-hmm. that forever you know and now I'm back to pipes that's crazy man I've, I've never heard of pipe train yeah, for, it for was Operation Pipe Dream. Yeah, it was, was called called? Operation Pipe Dream. Scary thing. Wow, it was kind of creepy. Kind of, it seems like uh, the glass blowing industry kind of parallels, you know, the cannabis industry. The two oh, yeah. kind of go hand in hand, you know. And it's just interesting to see how they both, you know, have to, you know, go through that period of, you know, stigma. Absolutely, there was a ton yeah. of it, you know, and there was a ton of, you know, like just like there was taboo about, you know, the cannabis industry and or just before there was a cannabis industry when it was just the cannabis black market. I mean, like there was a huge stigma, but there was also that same exact stigma attached to pipes because they went hand in hand Mm -hmm. to everybody that looked at it from the outside it went hand in hand, you know? And so like, that was just kind of how it was. Right. So kind of uh, building off of your journey again here, do you remember the very first usable piece that you ever made? Um, Vaguely, yeah, I do. Um, you know, I remember it was terrible. It was like, you know, clear with a little bit of fume work. Um, and when I say fume work, like we melt down gold and silver, like the color changing glass. Um, and so I probably added a little silver into it. And it was probably like a really ugly spoon. I'm pretty positive um, that it was a really ugly spoon. So, yeah, I mean, actually, it was pretty weird. My sister got married. That was, yeah, like 20 years ago. My sister got married a couple years ago, and I was back at home. Mm -hmm. um, And, you know, everybody, it was after the wedding, and everybody's winding down. It was my wife and me and my dad. And we were hanging out, playing pool, and hanging out down by their bar. And my dad pulls out this box, this cigar box. Mm -hmm. And he's got some 
pretty old dry shake weed in there and I was like kind of blown away I was like you about to smoke weed with us dad you know like this is awesome and um did you know that your dad had smoked weed I knew he did Uh I knew I knew he smoked I definitely knew he was like he was super cool with weed and everything but I just never smoked with him you Uh know and then he pulls out some of my first pipes that I'd ever made Mm -hmm. that I'd like left at my mom's house when I first started blowing glass and I must have left these pipes there and like literally there was probably like the first one of the first 10 pipes that I made he had like three of them Mm -hmm. they were terrible (laughs) But, you know, I mean, like, I was pretty stoked that he held on to him. So nice. it was kind of cool. So it was kind of refreshing to see where you came from and, like, mm-hmm. how hard it was and, like, how hard it was to make something so terrible, mm-hmm. you know? And you're like, wow. Because we didn't have – back then, we didn't have YouTube. There wasn't – it was literally a tiny little handful of glass blowers compared to the, you know, tens of thousands of glass blowers that we have now. It's so easy to get mm-hmm. knowledge right now, you know? like. So on that note, how did you learn Self-taught. Just self-taught. When it comes to lamp working and torch working, self-taught. You know, for the most part. I picked up a couple things here and there from a couple guys. Um, I definitely have to say Chad G was a big help to me. Um, You know, Chad G would let me, like, sit and watch him. Mm -hmm. But I never – I'm, like, that type of person that, like, doesn't – like, if you're willing to open your your doors to me and let me in, I'm – it's almost to my fault that I, like, don't ask questions. Mm-hmm. I just sit there and I try to be a fly in the wall, you know? I'm like, I don't want to bug you. I don't want to get in your way. So I never asked any questions. I just sat and watched, you know? And, like, I tried to, like, learn a few things. But then, yeah, I mean, like, I really just, you know, worked really hard to teach myself as much as I could. And just trial and error, you know? Like, the more you screw up, the better because the more you learn. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're taught the right way right off the bat... You know, you're going to encounter a problem and be a deer in the headlights. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of cool that you can, it sucks. And the time that you put in can be like, it tests your patience. But the more you screw up, the more you learn and the better you will be in the mm-hmm. long run. That's some pretty good advice for any aspiring glass blowers out there. You know, just like don't give up after your first pipe. Or don't, yeah, you know, don't, yeah, don't give up. When no, or anybody. Honestly, any if, you, if there's something you love to do that's a challenge that you like have to like work hard at, like embrace your screw ups. It's it sucks at the time, but it's worth it in the long run. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Um, let's see. Building off your origin a little bit more. Uh, do you remember the first time you used cannabis? Yeah, I do. Yeah. What's, yeah. Your, what's your first time cannabis? <laughs> oh my story? god, I'll never forget it actually. Um, so I was I was really young actually. Um, you know, I grew up in Chicago, and you know, we weren't shy about anything. And so I was pretty young. I'm not gonna lie. I think I was. I maybe I won't even say it because I don't want to encourage <laughs> anybody. Um, anyway, um, we were at a friend's house. Um, adult use only guys. Yeah, adult <laughs> use only guys, please. Um, uh, you know. That's, I'm going to, you know, really emphasize that. But no, um, so I was at a friend's house and it was before going to school actually. And, um, we were all waiting at a friend's house at the, you know, cause he lived right by the bus stop and another friend showed up and he had some weed and he rolled a, honestly, to this day, I still think it was like probably one of the most perfect joints I've ever, that was ever rolled and that I ever smoked out of. And I smoked, I smoked a, you know, a couple of rips off this joint and I just won't forget like how goofy I got I was just like was I was cracking up I like who am I yeah it was really it was it was just fun you know we just had a fun time and yeah I really I was kind of a naughty kid and I smoked weed before going to school and that don't ever do that (laughs) don't smoke weed as a kid don't especially don't go to school high 
but I did, and it was just like one of those things, you know. I was like, I didn't know, and you know, you heard it from us longtime stoners. Yeah, don't smoke. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like I, you know, I, I don't regret like you know that experience. It was a it was a super fun day. Mm-hmm. I was normal for the rest of the day. I, you know, I only took a couple a couple hits, so I wasn't super high, but I remember yeah laughing a lot and walking to the bus stop, and then <laughs> yeah, that's about it really. Again, man, I always love first-time stories. Yeah, that, it was... You know, everybody has a different one. It was know? hilarious. Yeah. I mean, because, you know, look, I was surrounded by a great group of friends that, like, my crew of friends, ever since we were even kids, we all took care of each other. We were, like, family. Like, mm-hmm. 100%. Like, I don't, I don't think I ever felt this close with, you know, a bunch of people outside of, you know, the people that I grew up with. I mean, like, we took care of each other. So, mm-hmm. I guess I felt comfortable, you know, smoking that day um, for my first time because like I knew like I had people take care of me you know like and they did you know we all made sure we got the things done we needed to that day we got to the places that we needed to go and that we all stuck together and we had a fun day you know and it was I don't know it was, it was just it was hilarious all around how do you feel about um, Illinois finally legalizing I'm really wreck? I'm really excited for Illinois um, it's a big deal because oh, yeah. growing up in Illinois um, I remember how incredible the police state was. It's like, look, I mean, in the city, there was a lot of stuff going on and cops didn't care about weed. Um, If you were out in the suburbs, I mean, cops had nothing to do. And so, I mean, they would draw guns on people for having weed. And it was a lot of... Weed makes you a crazy criminal, man. Yeah, I mean, it was a lot of unnecessary stuff. And, you know, it was just, you know, we we were just like the kids in the movie Dazed and Confused. You know, we were all good kids we got good grades we we had we hung out in crews you know um you know we we did a lot of fun stuff we you know a lot of skaters in our crews and stuff like that but um we we were good kids and like we didn't need to like we were getting like attacked on the daily by cops it was crazy and uh it's just glad that they don't you know a lot of people don't have to worry about that because there's I grew up to be a good person, you know, and a good working hard individual. So, I mean, like, I've always wondered if, you know, anybody in law enforcement ever feels any kind of, you know, remorse or sorrow for arresting people now that it is illegal. I bet you there is. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I bet you there is, you know, like actually, so like I I had a lot of cops in my family, so I knew a lot of cops. I knew a lot of local cops. Uh. And, you know, I knew the cops that were just like literally on a power trip and they could use weed to just straight up attack kids. Mm-hmm. And then there was a lot of cops even then that wouldn't bust you for having a joint on you or wouldn't bust you for because you smelled like weed or whatever. You know, there was it was literally 50 50. But the but the the 50 percent of it that was like the, the cops that were like, you know, used weed as a way to, you know, really push their power. Um, those cops were incredibly tough to, diff- you know, to deal with because they were just like so overly intense about everything, mm-hmm. you know. And so, luckily, we did have a lot of cops that were pretty cool. And it's funny that you say that about, um, you know, the the power trip aspect because that's something that carries over from the reefer madness days. Yeah. There was there was, uh, you know, literally a Nixon advisor who came out, you know, after, you know, Reaver Madness has kind of started to die, and he was like, did we know that we criminalized marijuana to go after these hippie communities and the black communities, you know, and arrest their their leaders? And he's like, yeah, we we knew what we were doing. Yeah. It was definitely a power trip. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. 
Um, I mean, it's just, you know, that's the thing, you know, like, it's all, like, look, normal kids, you know, Um, you know, like, growing up, we were normal kids, we did normal stuff, we did normal teenage stuff, Mm -hmm. you know, and so, like, we really appreciated when there were cops that treated us like human beings, just like everybody else, but we really, like, took notice when, obviously, we were getting attacked, you know? This is really nice, starting to see that scale start to uh, shift and stuff, you know? Uh, so moving on, how would you describe your relationship with cannabis today? Like, how has it affected your work or your life? Um, yeah, I mean, like, you know, so I kind of got a, I, I had a long cannabis story. I mean, like, um, when I was really young, um, I was, you know, that was my my life honestly like I it's crazy man because like a lot of people I, I see this big movement and I'm not trying to like say this to like actually this is the first time I'm saying this to anybody <laughs> and so I like I don't really brag about this I don't like mm-hmm. but I'm seeing a lot of my old self in thousands of youth now and like in the beliefs behind cannabis and um, you know every the the knowledge of how powerful cannabis is and the great things that it can do um, for people's lives, their health. Um, and so when I was a kid, you know, I actually, I, I grew, I started growing um, cannabis when I was 15 years old. Um, and I grew a lot of cannabis. I mean, like I, you know, I built greenhouses when I was yeah, 15, 16, um, you know, and this is when it was incredibly illegal. Um, Definitely bigger risk. Yeah, and before I got my degree in fine arts glass, I actually went to college um, and started college with a horticulture greenhouse management degree. That's what I started college with. Because I honestly wanted, I I was, I really wanted this future that we have now, and I really wanted to be like one of those first people that were like on the ground floor of this legal cannabis industry. And, um, you know, glass, yeah. glass found me and really distracted me and took me in a different direction. Mm-hmm. But um, I've always had this major love affair with with cannabis, and um, you know, I really believed in its medicinal properties at a very young age. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, and over the years, you know, I've always been a a pretty big smoker. Um, and a few four years ago, um, I started smoking four or five years, maybe five years ago. I started smoking hash, like, you know, nowadays hash, you know, I smoked tons of hash when okay. I was a kid, but, yeah. you know, kind of nowadays hash, you know, um, but I wasn't really educated on it. And um, so I would, you know, get a lot of like wax and a lot of BHO stuff and, you know, stuff that was either PHO, BHO, stuff like that. And maybe, maybe like the, you know, the, the extractors just like didn't have a lot of knowledge. I definitely had almost no knowledge. I was like, sweet hash, let's. You know, like, let's smoke. Let's do it. And so, like, and and this, I guess this little story is great to advocate for educating yourself um, as much as you can on on extracting and and the hash that might be good for your body or not good for your body. Um, And so I started smoking a lot of hash. And, you know, I I can't prove this, but I personally believe, because that was the only change in my my cannabis life, I guess. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden I started getting terrible anxiety. I mean, I'm so, I'm saying 
such bad anxiety that if I even took one hit of flour, I would almost, you would never notice it. You'd never see it on my face. But inside, you But inside, I was having out. a panic attack mm-hmm. and I would have anxiety attacks and I'd, my heart would be pounding. I'd have a lump in my throat. My head would be racing like a slot machine. And it got to the point where it, and look, I love the taste of cannabis more than anything. That's like one of my favorite things, the taste and the smell. And that's one of the primary reasons that I like just really enjoy. It's like the enjoyment part of smoking for me. And, um, and I couldn't even take one hit just to taste it mm-hmm. because I would get such bad anxiety and a panic attack. So finally, for about two years, I completely quit smoking. And mm-hmm. I was honestly like, I don't know, like I just... It, you know, I wasn't like a bad person or I didn't like wasn't angry or anything like that. It just was like, you know, I just I don't know. I wasn't me, you know, mm-hmm. and um, you just missed it. You know, you know yeah. And like it, it like on stressful days at work, you know, like I would go like if I'm smoking all day, you know, at work because I'm lucky too because I'm a glass blower and I work for myself. Um, so I do. It keeps me calm. It keeps me relaxed. It keeps me, you know, focused on what I'm doing. And when I go home, it, I could have had a terrible day. Glass breaks. I could have had a terrible day, and I go home feeling like, all right, let's uh, tackle tackle this again. And and you know, I go out at a positive note mm-hmm. instead of going home upset or anything like that. And I, I literally could not smoke for two years, and I was just not myself. Mm-hmm. And a friend of mine who owns a CBD company recommended he gave me some cbd isolate and you know had no terpenes added to it it was just pure cbd just isolate pure and and it was he said he started getting me to take some dabs of that you know and a little by little and it really calmed me down and then it got to the point where i was like you know what maybe i'll try to hit take a hit of a bowl or something like that mm-hmm. take a little hit of weed and i didn't have a panic attack and nice. so i kept smoking the cbd and CB is very anti-anxiety. It's crazy. And like now I can full, I'm like myself again and I can smoke and I don't get these panic attacks and I don't get anxiety. And I, you know, that CBD just like literally brought my, gave me my life back. Mm. And it really did, you know, and like people don't think, oh, some people that don't know about anxiety, they like downplay it, Mm. you know, and like um, that shit can fuck your day up. Oh yeah, dude. Like it can really hurt you. Do you, um, so a, a lot of artists in general feel that cannabis lends them a different type of creativity. Do you feel like you get any more creative or less creative with cannabis? It, it can go both ways for me. Um, there's some days where um, I can get incredibly creative. I, I think it's honestly, I think it's just my mind um, mm-hmm. and just the way my mind works. Um, and then some days it can block it. Um, and so, you know, I'll know right away, you know, if like, you know, I'm having kind of like a, a blocking kind of day and then I just like won't smoke pretty much for that day. You know I mean? Like I just know today's, you know, just today I need to be on this, you know, um, and just, you know, be a little bit more, you know, focused in another area. But um, and I think that's really important with cannabis use, too, because a lot of people get caught up in, oh, it's, you know, legal. So I just want to smoke as much as possible every yeah. single day. And people kind of forget that, you know, it doesn't have to be that way. And just know yourself. Yeah. You I know? mean, you have to know yourself. And yes, I haven't. I, I, there are aspects of smoking cannabis that I enjoy. So like, you know, you want to repeat the enjoyment. But then you also have to know yourself when it comes to like, for me, it is my medicine. Like it literally is. And so like, you know, if you get a headache, you're not going to take 45 Tylenol. You're going to take the two or three you need. And that's that, you know, and so that, and that's the thing. So some days for me, 
it's just like a non-smoking day. Sometimes I'll go four days without smoking just because I don't need to. And then I'm like, you know, like fifth day I might, you know, and, I, and it's a, and it, but I'm still like in the same mindset, you know, mm-hmm. like if I feel like it's a blocking day, I just won't smoke. You know, if I feel like it's a creative day then sure, you know, like a relax and I kind of get loose and my, my mind opens up and the ideas start flowing, but mm-hmm. it, it can go either way. Nice. Nice. I like that. Um, get back on the topic of your gallery uh, for a little bit. So far, what has been the most challenging aspect about owning and operating a glass gallery? Um, there's a lot of challenges. I mean, um, but you know, like honestly, I've been just like kind of like running at them full force, you know, like trying to, I guess the biggest challenge for me is like really trying to like time management because mm-hmm. you know being a glass blower um in a glass blowing owned you know blower owned gallery um you know we have a lot on our plate for glass to make um let alone all like the inventory stuff and merchandising and you know customers that walk in your walk-ins um online stuff you know it, it brings a lot more to the plate but honestly like i've been stoked to like really you know, like start just tackling that, you know, it's, it's, it's been, you know, it's been tough, but, um, and as co-owners, you know, you and uh, your partner, Rob, you guys have to wear obviously a lot of different hats. You're also playing like art dealer. Yeah, too. Absolutely. You you guys have a gallery here. Yeah. And like, it's so great because having Rob, um, as my partner, he's like good at all the things that I'm not. And like, (laughs) and so like, we kind of compliment each other. Yeah. We kind of compliment each other. Um, you know, in that sense, um, yeah, he can do a ton of things that I can't. And there's things that, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, a little bit more proficient at than, than he, you know, and and then, and what's really cool about that too, is we're making each other better at those things that we weren't, Mm -hmm. you know, and cause he's good at them. He's teaching me how to be better at them. So, you know, it's, Time management, I think, is the the trickiest, but um, God, I like I like challenges. Mm, yeah, I like crushing. So, oh yeah, man. I don't know. Uh, are there any unique projects that you're working on right now that you want people to know about? I know earlier we were kind of talking about your uh, modification for the Puffco Peak. There, you know, you got anything yeah. else? Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely going to be making some uh, like some Puffco attachments. That's going to be really fun. Um, you know, I got some really cool, cool ideas um, to like just kind of really classy up um, the peak tops. Um, but I think one of my, I think one of my favorite things that I'm working on right now is the Hadron design. It's the Hadron Collider. Oh, um, really? Wow. So um, this design, I've done two prototypes, and then I thought I nailed the final design and I had named it the number one Hadron Collider I find, and, and as far as aesthetics and function it's exactly what I want um, and just so we're on the same page here the Hadron Collider is that machine that kind of like pushes elements together yeah it's like crazy it's like um, it's like an, like they do like a lot of like um, atom like atom smashing and they do it's crazy like the Hadron Collider can simulate the they've been able to simulate the big bang mm. with the Hadron Collider. And so the reason why there's a few reasons why I named this piece, the Hadron Collider first off the way it functions, the way everything kind of works together. Um, and I was like looking at it and I'm like, you know, the way all this stuff kind of collides in here, I don't know. It's kind of crazy. I got my own, I can't even put words to it when I saw the first, when I did the first design, 
but the way it worked and the way I saw it, um, I grew up maybe 15 miles from America's first Hadron Collider. Really? And so, um, you know, we always joked, you know, if they screw up, we're going to be the first ones sucked into a black hole. Yeah. Um, But yeah, we were right down the road from that. And I don't know. It was just, you know, it was kind of a thing that like with the way the piece works, the way the piece looks. And then, you know, I guess a little touch of home Mm. just came up with that name, I guess, you know. That's crazy, man. Like I'm trying to picture it in my head right now and I'm just like picture some crazy things. Yeah. I'm super excited to see. Yeah. You uh, do work on that project. Um, So far, out of projects that you've already uh, completed, what's been one of your favorites? The Hadron Collider. Oh, um, yeah. I think it is. I uh-huh. think that's been one of my favorites. Um, I So for the last year and a half, I've been playing with different techniques. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not trying to just do one thing. Mm-hmm. I want to be better as a glass blower. So you're going to see a ton of stuff coming out of me. And, you know, out of the past year, you've probably seen it where I haven't repeated anything. Um, I've been just trying all these new techniques. Whether they're techniques that have been done or not, you know, I'm just kind of like in like full-on training i guess you know i'm like just like putting myself through like it's like the I glass guess, olympics almost yeah i'm like putting myself through like a brutal boot camp you know i feel like i've paid my dues with glass in a sense in some aspects of glass but then in other aspects like lamp working i feel like i haven't paid my dues and like so i'm like you know what i'm just gonna like learn all these things whether whether i gotta try you know eight million things or not um I'm going to do it just because it's going to make me a better glass blower. So, I mean, I don't know. Well, that's awesome, man. Um, what are some of your favorite techniques? Um, Marini work. Um, I'm not very good at it yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to do a ton of it in the hot shop. Um, and so I'm trying to, like, learn a bunch of that um, on the torch. What is Marini work? Uh, Marini work is basically kind of difficult to explain. It's mm-hmm. like uh, stacking colors into what we call a cane um, and when you stack these colors or patterns and you do an arrangement of color um, and pull down what we call a cane and when you slice individual little slices out of that cane it has a pattern or an image um, I like a lot of like pattern cane um, and pattern marini and then you can cut a bunch of those out lay them out and effectively turn all those patterns into one pattern into a tube or a piece of prep or wow, that's so a, an object. It, it's there's a lot yeah. going on with it, um, but it's just beautiful work and it's very like the technique itself is very old. Wow, and they've been doing it for hundreds of years. So glass blowing has definitely been an art that's been around. It definitely has a, a history to it. It's got a big history yeah. to it. Like it's probably a few thousand years old. Oh yeah. For um, sure. You know, one of the coolest places to go in in the world, I think, is go to Corning Museum of Glass in in New York, because it has like such a an amazing and extensive museum um, of glass history and and glass, and you learn a lot when you go there. You you see things that people were doing hundreds of years ago that you're like just blown away by. You're like, man, it's hard to do that now, mm-hmm. you know, and they were doing it then, so it's pretty cool. For, uh, for people who are aspiring to, you know, be future glass blowers, how long would you say that it takes to start sharpening and building these skills? You know, is there a time frame, you think, or just dedication? I think it's dedication. I think it's, uh, you know, 
I think if you really fall in love with glass, it's a lifelong love affair. Um, glass is so incredibly infinite that um, there's you can literally do anything with glass. I mean, it's you know it, you can do anything. So because of that, you can never really like fully master it. I mean, you can master certain things, um, but glass it's glass itself it's kind of like the game of golf you know it's mm -hmm. a game that can only only be played never be won mm -hmm. it's kind of the same thing with glass i mean you can just keep making anything out of it you know so like because of that you're gonna do something that you haven't done before that you're gonna have to learn you're gonna have to dissect you're gonna have to figure out um so it's kind of cool and like but i've seen glass floors like you know very early glass floors couple two three years in be doing things that are just phenomenal, you know what I mean? And, um, you know, and I've seen guys, it take decades, you know, um, but I think it's just how dedicated you are, how much time you put in, how much willing you, you know, how, how willing you are to screw up and learn from your screw ups, how, you know, just, just work hard, you know? And on that note, what, what would be like your number one advice for someone getting into it? Um, make what you like. Okay. Um, I think that's I think that's mm -hmm. one of the biggest things. Whether you draw inspiration from the world, from other artists, from other glass artists, from whatever it is, um, you know, things that you do or I, whatever it is, what, you just do what you like. Um, do what you what you would want to make for yourself. What you would want to make coming out of your heart. I mean, there's just like no two ways about it. Like there's there's no point in doing something that you absolutely love to do and then turning it into something that you're just like working for money and you're doing the same thing over and over and you know you got to love what you do mm -hmm. you know like this you don't this is not a and that's with everything too. yeah with everything i mean like yeah. when you when you choose to blow glass for a living Man, I mean, you just you just set yourself. Why why make it a living hell? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, why turn it into something that you're just doing? I'm just gonna make this for money and mm -hmm. money only. Like, no. One time you told me a while ago that one thing that sets your gallery apart from other smoke shops is that you know it's American made. It's all made in house, and a lot of smoke uh, smoke shops, I guess, they import you know a lot of yeah. glass. You know. What's, what's something else that might set your gallery apart from others? Um, we don't have your typical headshot feel at all. Um, you know, so we're not fully stocked like a normal headshot. You know, we don't have everything that a, a normal headshot has. But when you walk into our place, we have something for everyone. So we do have, you know, those spoons and chillums and hammers. And, you know, we have, you know, some production pieces, um, you know, as far as like rigs and tubes go and stuff like that. But we have a boutique gallery feel. And um, so if you do come in for a $40 piece, you felt like you, you really got something special because you walked into, you know, this beautiful gallery with, you know, stuff anywhere from $5 to question mark, you know, <laughs> because we have some really high end art in here. And so, you know, we want we want everybody to feel special walking in here and we don't want it to feel typical and we don't want it to feel like you've walked into, you know, this shop a thousand times because you've walked into a thousand shops just the same. Right. You know, we want it to be different. And I can definitely attest to that, guys. I've bought, you know, several pieces from Andy and his shop here and they're just amazing. 
none of them are broken yet. You know, unlike other glasses, I've gotten you know some some cheaper, more imported glass. Um, Andy, I understand that you're going to be doing something really interesting with your shop. You're actually going to be offering glass blowing classes at some point. Yeah. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about that? Um, so you know, my my partner, he's going to be the 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 head dude in charge for the the lessons and everything. Um, we haven't quite gotten it dialed in. We want to. We don't want to jump into any. So with us, everything is about customer service. And so we really want to dial in, you know, exactly what lessons we want to do and like how we want to approach them because we want everybody to leave here with a great experience. So before we like really put those on the table, we're going to get everything really dialed. We're really excited about it. Um, and, you know, just just know that, you know, we're working really hard to figure out just the best way to do um, lamp working lessons. And, you know, I think we're going to do some kind of, you know, get you started and get the get that that itch we want to get you on the right path the right track um and then we have you know a re- you know a, a free bench for rentals you know a, a, an open bench for rentals um so you know once you've gone through some classes you start getting familiar with the material and the equipment um you know you can rent some time yourself you know kind of hone your skills and work on stuff but you know we're always there as experienced glass blowers right behind you so you know we're, I'm just really open to knowledge, you know? Mm-hmm. So if, like, anybody has a question, I don't care who you are. If you have a question, I'm going to do my best to answer it, nice. you know? So. Yes. You guys are the kind of questions of the glass. Yeah, I mean. Glass scene, man. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's awesome. I love what you're doing. We have to spread education just everywhere, you know? You have like, to. We can't, like, people don't need to stay in the dark anymore. No, I mean, know? if, you know, if we come together as, like, a collective and, like, really work hard, like, if we are bouncing ideas off each other, and we're bouncing knowledge. So if we bounce knowledge off each other, we're going to make everybody more experienced and whatever it may be. Um, and then we start bouncing more ideas off each other. And then we start advancing whatever it may be way faster, way better. Um, there's a lot more smiles on people's faces because why do you want to look at a bunch of glass floors? They're struggling and they're not happy and they're trying so hard to get better. And you have all this knowledge. Why hide that from them? You know, like spread that out. You know, like now you got like 10 people with smiles on their face instead of one with a smile on their face and nine mm-hmm. that are super struggling, you know? And it just, it just sets a tone for, you know, a better future in general. Yeah. You know, where people are just like helping each other out and that stigma starts to fade. And then uh, talking about stigma, something that I like to do with Canna Questions is, you know, I feature people like yourself and others who are helping to burn that stigma away. So our last question for you is, what would you say to someone who still believes in the lazy stoner stereotype? You're obviously, you know, very hardworking. You don't fit into that mold. Yeah, no. Um, You know, I know a lot of really functional stoners, um, including myself, you know. Um, I... I almost, you know, sometimes to a fault, can't stay away from work. Um, I always have something to do. I want to, I was taught, look, I was taught to earn my place with everything I've ever done. Um, That's how I was born and raised. So, you know, I I, I don't know, you know, there is a a stigma and there is a, a lazy stoner view that people have um, that I just don't think, I think unfortunately, you know, they 
just around the wrong place, you know, or not the wrong place, just a different place, mm-hmm. you know. And I guess what they're used to and what they're they maybe they don't know people that smoke or you know or anything like that. So they just got fed. Make make your own mind up, <laughs> you know. Make your own mind up. Don't have a lazy stoner view on anybody until you get to know that person until you see how hard or not they work you know i mean and and i think every you know every person and every individual can be different but i'll tell you right now there's a lot of really 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 hard working stoners out there and you know if you look at the glass industry man there's guys that i can't even comprehend how to keep up with (laughs) and these guys could smoke me under the table any day know so like i mean that's that dedication man yeah i mean there's some really you know there's some really awesome guys out there and and there's all walks of life that smoke cannabis and there's some pretty successful or hard work just hard working in general man i mean just earn your place and judge don't judge anybody you know just based off a stereotype you know get to know somebody and how hard they work you know yeah man well, Andy, thanks for your time. You know, absolutely, coming on man. Canna Questions today. It's been absolutely amazing picking your brain. Everybody, again, this is Andrew Lussie, uh, co-owner of 39 Degrees North Glass Gallery in Winter Park, Colorado. I will definitely be posting links to his Instagram and Facebook along with this blog. So check that out on Canna Questions. And thanks again for coming on the show, Andy. Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me. I hope you guys have an awesome day. Well, all right, guys, there you have it. That was Andy from 39 Degrees Glass in Winter Park, Colorado. Super interesting stuff that we talked about today. I truly do appreciate these opportunities to talk to people who are able to just shed a different type of light on the cannabis community. If we all try, I truly believe that we can start to burn away the stigma that sort of haunts cannabis users. I hope you guys enjoyed this first Can of Questions episode. Make sure to like and follow the podcast. Find us on Instagram at Can of Questions. Also, check out our newly launched website. That's canofquestionsofficial.com. You can live chat with a bud tender, join our email and blog, and stay updated on cannabis. I'll be posting a blog uh, about today's interview, and we will be doing a giveaway of a couple dope exclusive glass pieces from the 39 Degrees Gallery. So don't miss out on that. Uh, You can find the 39 Degrees uh, Boys on Facebook and Instagram as well. I will be posting links uh, to that. And uh, on that note, guys, there's a lot more in store. So stay high, Kenna fam, and we will see you next time.